0: Let's all stand together and worship this morning. I must say tonight. Wow. This morning.
1: morning, New Life. Happy late Thanksgiving. Glad to see you guys here, and we are officially, as you can see by our wonderful decorations here upon the stage and around the church, we are now in the most wonderful time of the year, Christmas season. I love it. Um, glad you guys are here this morning. So glad to see everybody brave the elements and the uh, conditions of today. Um, we're just glad to be here in worship. I uh, just want to draw your attention to a couple of things, um, because if you had not grabbed a bulletin... Just want to point out a couple things, um, but also please try to grab one of these um, and be informed so you can be involved. But also, what we're trying to do as well is beef up our uh, notifications and stuff on Facebook and through our social media uh, websites and, and things like that. So if you don't find if you don't follow us on social media, please find us on Facebook. Please find us on Instagram and follow us both New Life Baptist Fellowship, New Life Students and all those different other things within the church here. So let me point some things out to you. Uh, the Children's Christmas Play is going to be having a practice on December 14th and 17th. Uh, and, and also the service is going to, they're going to be a part of the service on December 18th. Uh, sign your kids up for the play, all that at the Welcome Center there. Uh, an asterisk uh, about the December 14th practice. If you are in a life group, raise your hand if you're in a life group. Life groups are awesome. Yay. All right. Cool. Uh, we are going to be having our all emphasis underscore life like underlined several times all life group Christmas party, um, and it's cool if you're going to do stuff too in your own life groups or whatever. But Wednesday on December fourteenth, we are going to be having our all life group Christmas party at the same time the kids are going to be practicing in here. So more details about that to come. But it'll be here on Wednesday night. I will be your congenial host. We'll be doing a white Santa thing and and also some Christmas trivia and all that other fun stuff. So more details to come about that. Also. This is not to be confused with the New Life Baptist Fellowship Christmas. That's going to be happening, looks like, next, well, December 11th from 5 to 730. Um, all the details are there in the bulletin, food, activities, um, my favorite, an ugly sweater contest, because I feel like I have a really good one, but anyway. Um, ugly sweater contest, all that. This is for the community, so invite your friends. Bring them here. It's going to be out front. If you were a part of our tailgate thing earlier in the fall, going to be very similar to that out right here in front of the church. So uh, please join us for the New Life Baptist Fellowship Christmas. Also, the Polar Express, the parents' night out, a uh, fun night for your children. costs $10. Uh, kids to sixth grade, and it's going to be on December 10th. All the information right there is at the welcome desk in the lobby. Also, <coughs> everybody just kind of take a deep breath. All right, I know this is a lot of information, so please work with me. But here's a very, very important thing. We want to enrich your time uh, for the holiday season. So we have put together, uh, very similar to our uh, weekly readings with our New Line Baptist Fellowship life groups, Uh, we have a time of Advent reading that starts tomorrow and runs all the way to January 6th, I believe. Uh, Yes, yes, through January 7th. And we are going to be working through the Advent season uh, and, and talking about the reason that we have hope, joy, love, peace, and then, of course, Christmas week. We are going to be focusing specifically on all of the tales of, of, of the scripture surrounding the Christmas story, and then also uh, post that week, we're going to be talking about and doing a focus on what we need to be doing while we're waiting for the second coming of Christ. So all that's going to be wrapped up in this little card. If you want to pick up and participate, this with, participate in this with us, it's going to be all out there at the uh, welcome desk, um, but I think that covers everything. But... Um, so once again, so glad that y'all are here um, and so glad that we have the, just this opportunity to gather together and worship. Um, I love every one of you. I know I don't all know you, but um, I love you with the love of the Lord. Anyway, um, so so glad y'all are here. Um, let's continue in our time of worship through prayer and uh, focusing on him. So let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you so much just for... Um, allowing us to celebrate with friends and family this past week that not everybody gets to gather around a table and catch up with family and watch football and and play outside with their kids and grandkids and and Lord we're, we're just That's a blessing over and above what anything that we deserve, Lord. We thank you so much just for the cross. And even even as we have read and focused this week and we've seen the stories surrounding just the last conversations you had with your disciples, the last teachings that you shared In the Last Supper, your betrayal, watching the anguish that you, like reading about the anguish that you experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Lord, seeing how it's all a part of a plan that was orchestrated hundreds, even thousands of years before so that we could have a, right, a way to have a relationship with you. Lord, I fully don't understand everything. I, I fully don't know. the. I, I'm growing to know the beauty of the gospel even more. But I know that because of the sacrifice, the, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of you, it, it, we can gather here this morning and say thank you, Lord. We can raise our hands and praise because of and celebrate the coming of of you, Emmanuel, God with us. The Lamb of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Lord, let us turn our minds to focus on that this morning too. Let us worship you with our mind, our mouths, our strength, Lord, let us worship you through song. Lord, let us worship you through through the reading and study of your word. Lord, let our hearts be focused on being here and in total faith and trust and knowing that you will handle everything else that we were worrying about coming in this morning. thank you so much for just this reminder this time of year that we can stop and and go the one true living God loved us so much that he took on flesh legions of angels announced the coming a heavenly host he appeared to the lowly the shepherds in the field and, and, and the story went from there Lord, let us focus on you and continue to demonstrate gratitude for your glory in everything we do this morning. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Before we sing this next song, if you will pull up the the first slide for the song. Who am I, who, who, who are we that the highest king would welcome us? We are sinners, we mess up a lot, but because of the grace of God, he brings the lost in. He brings us in and he shows his love for us. There's nothing that we can do. The highest of the greatest of things that we can accomplish fail in comparison to the glory of God. So who are we? sin because he loves us so much he chose to do that so as we're singing this this song let's in retrospect of just knowing our need for him our yearning for just who he is our yearning for that grace that mercy that he bestows upon us because of that we are no longer sinners we are, we are no longer these things anymore. we are the children of god SHUT sure. sure. father but just the fact that you chose to come to this place and you gave us jesus you, you showed us through the death burial and the resurrection of jesus that you gave us grace you gave us mercy you gave us the ability to be called your children we can proclaim that you are the king of kings that you are the lord of lords that you are the lord above all we can't help just to sing out. We can't help to praise you. We can't help to give you all the glory. It's just of the, the overflow of just what you continually do for us, Father. The thing that we notice, the thing that we don't notice, Father. But ultimately, because of salvation, that we can come to you and praise you. Father, I pray that we continue our worship through your word, that you would just speak volumes, that you would prepare our hearts, you would open up our hearts for just what you have in the that we wouldn't just be a a regular Sunday. It wouldn't be a thing we just hear it, Father, but we would hear it and apply it. Let us be the hands and feet of your kingdom. Let us change this world for for you, Father. In your sons, Jesus' name we pray.
2: grab those Matthew 25 Matthew 25 is where we'll be this morning um, and this will conclude for us uh, kind of this section of New Testament readings and so we will uh, push pause in uh, the, the month of December and a little bit into January uh, we will just we'll look at the Advent story we'll look at the coming of Christ and uh, man just follow that story out and like I said those, those reading cards are there you can grab those encourage you to do that um, and so uh, excited! Excited for this morning. Excited for the uh, the Christmas series coming up that we'll be walking through uh, there. Um, and as you can see, Christmas has come to the stage, uh, and so it uh, looks amazing. Just want to thank uh, Summer and Stormy Nikki. There were there was a few that um, we just do the grunt work, like the guys do the grunt work. We just pull the trees out, stick, we don't even fluff, like we're not even good fluffers, like that's how pathetic of like Christmas decorators we are, um, we're just not even the good fluffers, because um, they have to come back and re-fluff what we thought we fluffed, and so, um, but man, they, they've done a phenomenal job, and I'm grateful for them, uh, so, and then last week, man, was that not good, Billy kind of came and got to share, share the word, and to spend some time with him, and uh, if you missed that, you can go back and catch that online, but um, and so, uh, and then also at the end of service, uh, we voted to uh, move forward in absorbing Riverview. And so uh, we are looking 2023 uh, at planting a church. Uh, um, and so we're excited about that. So the plan, what it looks like right now is this, is that we're going to uh, be doing the work to get lawyers involved, to see what we need to do to fully absorb that, to have that in our name, to have uh, the property, the building, all of those things. And so uh, you probably won't hear a whole lot until about the first of the year. Uh, and then when the first of the year comes, we'll put out some sign-ups for, uh, uh, for a launch team if you're interested in knowing more about what it means to plant a church uh, over uh, next, close to the Star Center over there in Spartanburg off of 29. Um, we'll have sign-ups and meetings and things like that, and then we'll start to put out... Uh, some like work days, work evenings, work weekends, things like that, to try to do some of the the light construction. But those um, those those are the plans uh, of kind of what we've got coming uh, down the way. And like I said, probably the first of the year, you'll start to see some of that, and we'll get uh, some some better plans and different things out uh, to you there. So this morning, Matthew twenty five is where we'll be. But before we jump to Matthew twenty five, I want to read a verse to you in Matthew twenty four three, because what's happening is Jesus is answering. A question, 25, this parable that we're going to look at is an answer to a question uh, from his disciples. And so Matthew 24, 3, (coughs) Jesus says this. He says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, uh, the disciples came to him privately saying, Uh, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so they're asking, what, what will the end of the world be like? Jesus, what are we to expect? What's coming? When's it going to happen? Give us some of the details. Let, let us know some of the insights, some of what's going to take place, uh, which, which very much so, kind of sounds like the same questions we ask in our day, isn't it? How's it going to happen? Is there going to be crazy dinosaurs come back? The Apache helicopter is going to get us, aren't they? That vaccine, that was the mark of the beast. Was it? Was it not? I mean, I, I go, where, are we not everywhere with all of this stuff? How will it happen? When will it end? And I don't know why we fully fixate on all of that. I don't know why we get so amped up. And it's not a bad thing to like look into, to study, to, to follow through. Uh, with and see, see what's happening. The book of Revelation is not a scary, bad book to be afraid of, but uh, rather want to encourage and to uh, give us even more confidence as the body of Christ, to help us understand even more so the love of our Father. Um, and so it's not something to, to shun. Now the problem is there's been some pretty bad teaching on it. Uh, th- that's been the issue that, that's out there. Is that there's, there's some pretty bad teaching and, uh, and insight from, from that. And so that, that's the problem. And uh, so, so what we see here is that the disciples come to him. They ask him that question, how, how will we know? How will we know? What's it going to be like? When's it going to happen? It, give, us, give us the information. And, and, and I wonder why, even in our culture and our day, why, why do we get so amped up about that? Why, why do we get so fixated on that? And, and, and just two quick thoughts uh, of, of my speculation to, to maybe why I believe we do that. Uh, one is because I, I think we want to live how we want to live, but we just don't want to miss it. We want just enough of Jesus to kind of be okay. So if he does happen to come now, I won't miss it. So maybe another way to say, it, I want to live like hell now, but I want to go to heaven then. I think maybe that could be some of the issue there. Um, and, and again, just that fear of being scared that we'll miss it. Which, let me let you in on something. You don't have to fear about missing the return of Christ. Because we have got a book that tells us how we can be certain that we won't miss the coming of Christ. Because even in this, as we read through 24, Jesus warns his disciples not to be deceived because even many are going to be deceived. Many of even those that you would think are part of the family of God are going to be deceived and they're going to miss it. So, so for us to be certain of, well, we need to be in the word and we need to know that we belong to him. We, we need to be saved. We need to be born again. And Jesus has given us everything that we need for that to happen. Faith and trust on the work that he gives on the cross, walking relationally with him, seeing ourselves as sinful and lost, casting all that we are on him through faith and faith alone. That's how we don't miss it. That's how we don't miss it. So you can rest assured Jesus is coming back for his bride. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. So, so Jesus in chapter 24 there, what he does is he gives some specific details on what that will look like, this end of the world stuff. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be famines, earthquake, the abomination of desolation, and just a number of other things there in chapter 24 that he talks about. And so I can just imagine the disciples as we've, been following them along here in the Gospels, and they're not the they're not the sharpest of all tacks in the box. You know what I'm saying? Like like they they struggle they struggle busting it. Um, and so from time to time, and so I can just imagine as as he tells them this, as he begins to share this. And again, this is just Scott speculation. This is Scott reading into this, um, but I can just imagine like their minds, their eyes. I can just see them struggling because we've seen that uh, play out throughout the uh, the Gospels so far. And so, what does Jesus do? He does what he normally does. He begins to tell them stories. He tells them three stories, back to back to back. Three stories. Parables is what he tells them. He tells them the parable of the virgins. He tells them the parable of the talents. And he tells them the parable of the sheep and the goats. The parable of the virgins, just to kind of break it down, would be this. Don't miss the party. That's pretty much the premise of the first story he tells. Hey, you don't want to miss this party. You don't want to miss this opportunity. You don't want to miss it. Then he tells the parable of the talents, which is what we're going to home in on this morning. And I believe the thought there is, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. And then he gets to the third uh, parable there, per se, of the sheeps and the goats. And it's just this thought of taking care of the ones that God cares so much for, the least of these. Taking care of the least of these. And so the truth from these stories is simply this, depend on, declare, and demonstrate the gospel. Jesus, how's it all going to end? What's going to happen? What's going to take place? And he tells them, and he tells them these stories to, to, to show them their need, their dependence on the gospel, for them to go declare the gospel, and for them to demonstrate and live out the gospel. And so this, this morning, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at the parable of the talents, and I believe there's some deep truth in that that will really, really help us, really, really benefit us in maturing personally in our walk with the Lord, as well as help us corporately as part of the body of Christ. So I'm going to pray once more and then we'll jump into Matthew 25:14. Father, help us this morning to hear what you have to say. <coughs> because I know the hot topic is end times, what's going to happen, what's going to take place. And I just, this story nestled in here right after Matthew 24, I believe, gives us a great indication. Of, Father, what would it be about? Father, what, what, what it even means, the, the kingdom coming, what it means of your return. Father, what we're to be about, what we're to do. So, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit fall heavy upon this place. God, use me. God, fall heavy on hearts. Open up hearts. Speak to the needs of the people in this room. And, Father, I pray you start with the guy here wearing the headset. Lord, that you would do a work in me in my heart. Help me to mature, to be changed all the more into the image of your glorious Son. Jesus, we love you, we need you, desperate for you, and we pray, amen. (coughs) Matthew 25, 14, it says, for it, what is it? It is what I just said, the end of the world, how this all is going to shake down, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Anybody ever get like a house sitter, kind of like a house watcher when you go on vacation? I like to come over and check. We'll make sure like, like the, the pipes don't bust or something crazy don't happen. or like, You probably wouldn't leave your dog in the house for the week. That would be very, very bad. Um, but that would be a good reason to have a dog sitter or a house sitter. Um, but but it's, it's, it's almost like this. This guy is going on a journey. He's going to go away. And as he's going away, what he's going to do is he's going to entrust his property. He's going to entrust it to some, to, to some of his people, some of his servants here. And, and so the property belongs to the property owner. It's His. So He can do with it as He sees fit. And so when we read parables, we know that there are certain things uh, that mean certain things, that are pointed to certain things. And so uh, what we can just come right out, right from the very beginning and understand and know about this parable, that the property owner is God. Uh, The property owner here in this story is, is God or is Jesus. And so it's God. He is the one that entrusts His people with stuff. It's God who gives, and God is sovereign, and God is gracious, and God is merciful, and God has every right to give as he sees fit, every right to give as he sees fit, and the thing that we have to understand is that nothing that we have is ours, nothing, like, we are owners of absolutely nothing. Now, you may think that you've worked hard or that you may think that you've, uh, you've done really, really good and you went and got educated and did uh, just knuckled down and, 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 and did whatever you had to do to, to make it or to get it, but, but you need to understand something. That Even in that, it's because God's gracious that you have. He's the one that allows you to have the energy to do that. He's the one that allows you to have uh, the smarts to be able to retain, to do. At the end of it, it's all God. God is the one that does it. And just to help you kind of just breathe some fresh air this morning, I don't know if you know this, but when you die, you don't take any of it with you. Think about that for a second. And I mean, you can, you can like have them like stuff your casket with stuff. And probably depending upon how good the stuff is, it may get dug up. I don't know. I mean, there crazy stuff happens out there. But still, you don't take it with you. Like, you can't use it. Like, it's like you can't put in your will, like, okay. Put, put it put in my suit like I need like some some coins and like my watch no it, you, you, it doesn't transfer over to eternity with you it doesn't work that way, and so none of this none of this is a horse, no, none of it instead, the creator God who formed and fashioned he has given, and so what we are is this, we are stewards and managers of everything that we think we have everything and and I wanted to say it that way so we could kind of understand it a little bit better. We, we are stewards and managers because in, in the end, we, we have nothing. He gives, he bestows, he allows. So we are stewards and managers of everything we think we have, everything that God has allowed us. And so uh, the other day, I'm having a conversation. As I'm having a conversation, um, my oldest hears me say something. And so as I'm talking to somebody, I'm just, we're talking about kids and stuff like that, and I made the comment that, that they're just on loan to, to my wife and I. That they are a gift from God and they um, they are just on loan to us. To which He looks and says, "So I'm adopted. <laughs> You're not. Everybody knows where you came from, but the other two might very well." And <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I, I said nobody. And so then I had an opportunity to kind of explain to him, and, and, and I want to I want to make sure I always have my heart around that reality that that though God has gifted them to me and though that they are a blessing and though that I am so so grateful for my kids, my kids are not my whole world. My my kids can't be my whole world. If my kids are my whole world and my kids are my everything and I love them very, very much and I would fight to the death for them, if they're my everything, what happens when one goes away? And and so what I continued to tell him was nobody. God has entrusted us, for whatever reason, to raise you three, to love you three, to steward you three, to care for you three, to shepherd you three, to disciple you three. And at any time, God is right and good, and he can take you anytime he wants to. That you're not ours. That you're his. And so so, so we've got to get our head and mind and heart around that reality of living with an open hand. It's not ours. We should be the most selfless people on the planet. Because none of it's ours. I mean, how amazing is that? Give it all away. Who cares? It's not ours. Is God, and the thing about God is that as His resource and His surplus is so great, we can give it everything that we've got away, and we can get we'll have even more than what we ever had to begin with. That's what I love about it. Now we don't do it for that reason, but that's just how great our God is. And so we've got the property owner here, who is God, who's going to give, he's going to entrust his property to some of his servants. Verse fifteen says this: to the one he gave five talents, to the other two. To the other one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. I, I, I just want you to see that for a second. He, he gave, uh, uh, he gave five talents to one, to another he gave two talents, and then to another he gave one. It says to each according to his ability. Uh, so the homeowner, God was aware of, God is aware of their ability, to their ability. So He's going to give these talents according to their ability. And then He goes away. So, so he gives it as he sees fit. I just want to ask one more time. Who, who's the property owner in this story? God. Did he ask anyone's opinion about who should get what? Okay, just checking. I just want you to feel that for a minute. I, I want you just to feel that, breathe that in, that that's not fair mentality for just a moment, because is that not the world we live in? You mean to tell me God, yeah, God, God did how he saw fit. God does how he sees fit everyone didn't get the same. And hear me, that's quite all right. That's okay that you don't. And you'll see here in a little bit, why? And so as we read this story, as we see this, I mean, you've got to be careful not to breathe in that it's not fair air that this world just is steeped in. And, and, and if I could press you for just a moment, maybe a good way of looking and thinking about it is this, is that the creator of the universe is not fair not even a little bit and the sooner we get we get our hearts around that the more we can enjoy him that he is not fair not to the least a bit our god is not fair and i am grateful the fact that god's not fair because if god was fair and we got what we deserved that's what's so amazing about grace that's what makes mercy so much uh, so much greater man if we got what we deserved in the moment of our sin boom we're done The Creator zaps us and we're gone. Eternity separated from Him. But but that's not what we get. The fact that He would give us anything good, anything lovely, anything great that we could enjoy in this life that we have and just speaks all the more to His greatness and grandeur. All the more to His glory. And so what we see here is Him give talents as He sees fit on the ability of the ones that receive it. And so Just in the church world or just even in our world, in our life, the pitfall that we've got to fight against is this of comparison. We've got to fight hard against comparison. Because we like to compare, don't we? We like to look at everybody else's highlight reel compared to our B version of our story. We, we like to watch, we like to look, we like to see, well, well, guess what they did yesterday, or guess what they celebrated, or guess what they had happen to them, or guess what they received. And, and, and I just always want to remind us that those are just little blippets of, uh, of just like, like, like a two to three second happening in their life. I, I mean, they, they, never put, they never put out there, we never celebrate uh, the, the bad stuff. Like, like, like there's always, like in our family, there's always like 20 pictures to get the one. Always like like yesterday, we take a picture with the two oldest boys, and my wife's like, "Good land, Scott, what were you doing?" I'm like, "I was in the picture, smiling. Like I'm usually not the one you have to worry about, but I was the one that you had to worry about. I mean, I had a new shirt. I had the tag of the new shirt right there. I'm standing here like this. I mean, and I'm like we got Franklin. He can crop my head of another picture, find one that you like, and we'll I'll have him fix this up, and it'll be awesome. And everybody will think that our family's great, and it, we get it the first shot, and it'll be." But but do we not do that? That's how we compare, we live in this world of comparison. It sets us up. And so what we do is we compare what we know about us to what we don't know about someone else. We're quick to compare about what we know about us in comparison of what we don't know about someone else. And what comparisons do is it cripples us, it can debilitate us as followers of Jesus. We can real, real quick start to look at another church and be like, man, look at what they're doing. Look what they've got going on. Look at how they made it. Or we can real, real quick start to look at someone else's marriage and be like, man, look at what they've got going on. Look at what they've had happen. Look at how far along they are. Or we can real, real quick look at someone else's kids and be like, my gosh, if my kids could just act like that. And, and the reality is this, is that doesn't happen overnight. There, there's a journey that we're on for God to shape and mold us to get us to that point. And so we're in process. We've got to be careful Not to compare, not to compare. And so it's so, so easy. Man, it's not fair to the guy with the five. Why didn't I get five? You you don't see that in the story. You don't see that happen. And again, at the end of the day, it's God who gives, and God gives what he sees fit when he sees fit. Look as we keep going to verse 16. (coughs) He who had received the five talents, went at once, and traded with them, and made five talents more. I love this part right here in the story, and sometimes we miss it. Twenty five sixteen. 16, there it says, he received the five pounds, went when? At once, at once, immediate. Obedience is always immediate. This servant was obedient at once. He did something with what he had immediately. And so I just feel the need this morning in this room to tell you, to press you a little bit. Just be obedient to what Jesus has told you to do. Just be obedient. Live out what he's told you to do. Follow after what he's told you and called you to. Maybe the reason why there hasn't been breakthrough, maybe the reason why you're not further along is because you're not even being obedient in the things that he's given you to do now. So he's not going to give you more to do when you won't even do what he's asked you to do, right? We as parents, we know that. Like, I'm not going to ask my 10-year-old to do more that he can't even do right now. Like, the kid, the struggle bus, y'all. I mean, shower time. Dad, bring me a towel. I'm like, dude... Every time you get out of the shower, you have to have a towel. Every time. Dad, I need underwear. We always wear underwear in the Miller household. Everywhere. All the time. Always. I'm like, you've been doing this for 10 years, man. And then you go up to like, okay, so he's out of the shower, he's in his thing. And then it's just like, man, a hurricane tornado has went through. I mean, there's water everywhere. I'm like, was there like a monster in the shower you wrestled? How did that, What happened? And then clothes, I didn't even know he, you don't have underwear, but you got that many clothes on? You just wear the underwear next time. I'm like, in the hamper, he has no, oh, Lord, help us. It's so easy, like we've even divided it up, we've got their names on it, they know. My 10-year-old, so maybe the reason why you haven't got another talent or a gift from God or whatever it may be <coughs> is because you need to be obedient with what he's given you to do now. What he's given you to do now. And so it goes on in verse 17. So also he um, who had the two talents made two talents more. So the servant did with what he had. The servant did with what he had. And so I just you know, I just want to press us ever so slightly this morning. Maybe if you're in this room maybe you need to quit waiting for what you think is going to be the perfect, you fill in the blank before you do something with what God has given you. Maybe you're, you're waiting for the perfect moment, perfect timing, perfect sunset, perfect whatever it is. And obedience is always immediate. So when God gives you something to do, when he presses upon your heart, something that's, and we need to make sure and we need to know, and we do that through prayer, we do that through uh, the scripture, we do that through uh, accountability in our life. And once he presses that upon our heart, obedience is immediate. Church, obedience is immediate. And I don't know about you, but I know in my life it kind of seems like the thing is this. There's never a perfect time to do the difficult thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's never seemed to be the perfect time to have that conversation. It doesn't seem like there's ever the perfect time to, to step out and to do that act. Or it doesn't ever seem like there's a, the perfect time to step out and to sacrifice in that way. And so maybe this morning what we need to hear is this, is that we need to quit waiting, we just need to start walking. We need to start trusting that God knows what he's doing, that he's given us what he's given us, and that he's given us a command to follow and do and be obedient to, and we step out and we go with what God has given us to do. In verse 18, But he who had received the one talent went and he dug dug in the ground, and he hid his master's money. So the five did something with it, the two did something with it, the, the one, he just went and dug a hole and put it in the ground. And so verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. After a long time, it doesn't say like, like three months, it doesn't say a year and a half, it doesn't say ten years. It just, after, there, there's there's, a, there's a period, an extended period of time there. And they had no idea when he was coming back. But they were to be about something, doing something with what he had given them. And so when he comes back, what does he do? He settles accounts with him. Church, this is very, very important, something that we need to get our heart and mind around, something that we need to understand. There will be a day when you have to settle the account with him. There's going to be a day when you're going to give an account. Every single one of us in this room will give an account. It shouldn't scare us, but it should excite us. It shouldn't freak us out or worry us. I think that's where this end-of-the-time stuff kind of comes in because I don't think we fully understand and get grace. And so it's almost like, well, have I really done enough? Have I really attended enough? Have I really given enough? Have I really? And you don't have to do any of that. The good news of the gospel is that you get to, that you've been invited in to be a part of it, and there's absolutely nothing that you bring of any value and worth. Nothing. That's what's so amazing about grace. That's what's so amazing even about stories like this. None of these servants... Deserve to get what they got, but but the, the master, give it to them. None of us deserve to get or have anything that we've got, but he gives it to us. He gives it to us. And so there's coming a day where we'll give an account. So for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, who've come to faith, who've been born again, who are in him, man, our answer is Christ. The answer that I will give on that day will be Jesus. Why? Jesus. He is enough. He is the answer of all answers. He settles it for me, period. It's what Christ did, what Jesus did. But in that, we still have responsibility. In that, we still have responsibility to do something with our lives, with what God has given us. I mean, each one of us in this room, we are blessed far beyond our wildest imagination, to sit in a room like this on a Sunday morning that's temperature controlled that we don't have to worry about our safety I mean, that, that we got to drive in a vehicle that we're going to leave and go eat at a restaurant that we've got all of this stuff. I mean we are blessed beyond our wildest imagination and so we'll have to give an account of what we did with what God has given us this life that He has given us to live. Either for His glory or for our glory. That's it. There's no middle ground. It's, it's either all in or not in at all. There's no straddling the fence. He's not okay with that. And it's not even like one of those things, well, let, let me just let me kind of get some of these wild oats, let me sow some of these wild oats and do some of this stuff. And then whenever, uh, whenever it's close to time, okay, now I can kind of get serious about it. you don't even know when that's gonna be. That's the, that's the point of the story. You don't know, and if he's opened up your heart to the reality that you need him, you abandon all that you have and you run after. And so there's coming a day where accounts will be settled with him. And I think what breaks my heart today with the church, with believers, is how many truly waste their life. I mean, I mean how many truly, truly waste their life? I mean, would you say that you're all in? I mean, I would imagine you're a Sunday morning crowd. We've gathered here in this place. But yeah, yeah, I'm all in. I'm doing this thing. I'm doing this thing. But, but, but are, you, are you really? Are, are you really following him and pursuing him with a reckless abandonment to the point of where every other relationship in your life looks like hates what the scriptures. That's the way Jesus describes it. If you don't hate your mother, your father, your brothers, if you don't hate them more than me, if you don't love them less and love Jesus more, you're not worthy to be his disciple. You're not worthy to be his and so what breaks my heart today in the church is that, is that I, just, I just don't know if we're there. I, don't, I, don't, I even check, my, am I there? I mean, I'm the dang pastor of the church. You would think that I would be there, don't you? But am I? I mean, am, am I really honest to goodness sold out like I should be sold out to the cause of the gospel, to following Jesus Christ? God would, I mean, and it's easy to say, I mean, I've got the microphone, right? I can say up here and I can say whatever I want. It's, it's easy to tell you, oh, yeah, I'm in, mean, I love, yeah. But what didn't I sacrifice and give up this week for his glory and for his honor? What comforts did I not want to surrender to Him this week? What hardships did I want to hold on to? What, uh, uh, what, what things that plague me did I just want to just, just keep and do and follow after this week and not, not lay it all down or give it to Him? Did, did I worship my kids over Him? Did I worship my wife over Him? Did I worship stuff over Him? Did I worship my bank account over Him? Did I worship whatever the case is? I mean, Thanksgiving Day, was I thankful for Him providing, or was I just thankful to be thankful? Did I just say it to say it because that's what you do on Thanksgiving, right? And you got to post a picture of the turkey just, just to make sure everybody knows how thankful we are. I mean, what's the, what's the motive in our hearts? And what's scary is the fact that God knows and He's aware and He sees. He's aware and He sees. And so, man, I just plead with you, don't, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Do, do what the first two did here in the story. And the talent that was given to them, they did something with. They did something with. Don't waste your life. Verse 20 goes on, he says, He who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. And then look at the response of the master. He says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will sit You over much enter into the joy of your master. Well done, good and faithful servant. Church, that's the accolade we live for, that's the pat on the back that keeps us going. If I don't acknowledge you, if your discipleship development leader doesn't acknowledge you, if a staff person doesn't acknowledge you, if your kids don't acknowledge you, if your parents don't acknowledge I, I don't need. we don't need that. We, we, what we live for is that day there when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, I mean, you could puff me up as much as you want, pat me on the little rear and send me on my way, and I could feel as happy as I possibly could. But it'll be like nothing compared. That's what I live for. That's what we live for. That's what we're longing for. That's what we're pressing to is, is to hear the voice of the master say, well done. Man, what I've given you, you've done something with for my glory, for my great name. And then he says, here, I've, I've made the um, five times more. He says, you've been faithful over a little, so I will set you over much. Okay, you've done something with what I've given you. Now it's time for more. Look look as the story goes here. Verse 22, and, And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two more talents. And his master said to him, here it is again, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And the thing I love about this is that these two did something with what the master gave them. They didn't waste it. They didn't hoard it. They didn't protect it. They did something with what God gave them. And the question I ask you is, what about you? What are you doing with what God's given you? And I know the tendency is, like, well, maybe he hasn't given me much. No, no, no trust me, he's given you a lot. As I look around this room this morning, he has given us and bestowed upon us and entrusted us with a lot. A lot. I mean, you are valuable in the kingdom of God. I mean, his desire is to use you. I, I just think often of the amount of people that you can reach compared to who I can reach. Just because I stand on a stage and I get to open up the word of God and tell you about Jesus uh, does not give me a benefit. Usually it, it kind of hinders me out there sometimes. Oh, you're the preacher. You're supposed to tell us about Jesus. Yeah, you're supposed to give us that. You're supposed to invite me to your church. You're supposed to. I'm not. No, I'm not. No, well, yeah, I am. Okay, I am. God's called me to do that, yes. But because you think I'm a preacher, I'm supposed to do that. No, because I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm supposed to do that. I mean, that should be the opinion of everybody that you run. Oh, so you're a church goer, huh? You're a believer in Jesus. You're born again, blood, blah, 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 blah whatever, of God. No, you're just doing that because you're, you're dang right. That's it. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. You have won. So will you come with me this week? We come over to my house and have lunch so I can tell you about Jesus a little bit, tell you what he's done in my life. Like, that should be the response that the world has to you, too, not just me. And, and my argument would be, man, you, you, the opportunities you have. Like, I'm stuck here with the staff through the week. Ugh. I mean, you get out there a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You get to live. You get to go to a, a, a job where there's maybe crazy things going on. I don't know. You, you get to go to places where people don't all love Jesus where you're at, where you could maybe get a, get a little bit in trouble about telling people about Jesus. Get disciplined or something. I mean that that, that kind of invigorates me. That, that excites me. I mean, that's, I mean, I just I like like having those surprise moments in Walmart. Or just pull up on somebody, hey, how you doing? Where'd you get that? Aisle 7. Cool. And I just like do that weird lingering thing for a moment. Anything else? Jesus, what do you think about him? And like the looks and the and when we have been entrusted with taking the gospel and sharing and telling. And these first two do something with what God has given them. And I just always want to beat that drum and I want you to know there is a role for you here. There's a role for you here. There is something for you to do here at New Life. Every single, but I'm not very good at that's That's, that's the most qualified people in the place. Like you know that, right? Because when you get all qualified and think you know a lot about a lot and you can really do some stuff, well, this thing, arrogance and pride kind of usually comes into play. And it can disqualify you real quick. Because like, who likes to work with the know-it-all, you know? I mean, his name's Jesus, and we're going we're gonna to follow him or we're going to lean in on him or we're going to let him be the know-it-all and direct us with what he knows that we need to do. And then we're going to try our best just to follow him man, what I would push you with is this, is is not to waste your life. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how educated you are. Man, Man, there is something in the body of Christ for you to be doing. There's something in the body of Christ for you to be about. I'm telling you, we need you. We need you to be you, and we need you to be involved. That's what we need we need you serving giving your life away we need you uh, loving on people we need you caring for people we need you uh, uh, sharing your expertise of what God's done in your life how he's brought you through or how he's done something or how he whatever the case is so the takeaway here for these first two is this don't don't waste it don't waste it he's coming back or you're going there that's the only two options either you die or he comes back for us that's it And either way, you're going to give an account. You're going to give an account. (laughs) So he goes on, verse 24, and he says this And he also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So his response, verse 25 So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. Dang, what a response. I don't the 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 brashness and the arrogance and the the wow in that response there of the one like, like he wasn't even upset the fact that he only got one talent uh, like, like that that wasn't like that wasn't his argument I'd be like what well, I mean those guys they got like that comparison thing I was talking about earlier I may have went that route before I went this route but he didn't even go that route He's like I know what kind of guy you are I mean you're rough you're hard you take what, what you don't sow. You gather where you don't scatter seed. I mean, you're, you're just a rough guy. And so I was afraid. And so my fear dictated what I was going to do. And what we learn about this servant here, this slave here, is that they're the superficial slave. See, they look the part, but they don't have genuine faith. They, they look like something, but they don't have what is required. So he produced nothing with the talent he was giving. And this is my fear about the church today, too, is is that how many people live in this environment, enjoy the exposure of the proclamation of his word, the fellowship of his people, but make no positive response to the gospel and have no fruitful service. That's what breaks my heart. And I love you enough to tell you the truth that if, if this is the only time you think about Jesus or thinking about serving him or thinking about doing something for him, then you probably don't know him like he would require of you to know him. The, the way that I like to kind of link it is, is like this. If you treated your spouse the way that you treat Jesus, what would that relationship look like? Don't answer. Just think about it for a second. If you served your family, your kids, your spouse, or if you, if, you, if you treated work, your job, the way that you treat your relationship with Jesus, would that job still be there next week? My fear is that maybe not many of us would make it two days before they look into fill a position. Looked apart, but heart was not there. Had all the stuff there, even given the talent, but didn't use it. And so this servant was driven by fear, but not the healthy kind of fear that's out of awe and honor and respect. Instead, what he does is he attacks the master's character. He attacks the master's character. And don't don't you think that would even be a motivation to do something with it? And so you can make accusations all you want about the master, but it won't stick. It won't matter. It won't hold up. And then look at what the master says in response. He says, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I don't... Where I have not sown and gathered, where I have scattered no seed. And, and that's not him agreeing to. That's just him repeating back to what this, this servant said to him. He's like, so you thought this of me? You accused me of this? And then verse 27, he says, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So he says this, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. And so the, the master is angry with that servant, the third servant. Not, not simply because he lost his profit, but because he wasted his opportunity. He wasted his opportunity. And, and if I could press you this morning, this is what I would say to you. You're, you're here today. You have opportunity. You've heard the message of the Father. The invite has been given you're not too far gone. The situation or circumstance, you're not too far gone. It's not too much wasted. <laughs> you have opportunity today, one, to become His, and two, to do something with what He's given you. The life that He's entrusted you with, that's His doing. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not of your own, it's His. Man, the people you could tell about Jesus, the people you could serve, the people you could care for, the people you could uh, uh, do a number of things for his great name and his glory. So he takes the town away from him and he gives it to the one who has ten. And then look at, look at verse 29, it says, this, for, for to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He didn't get the same welcome. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's not what he received. Instead, he received this. Take it, give it to the one who has ten. Cast him to outer darkness. Weeping, gnashing of teeth. Which in the scriptures is a picture of someone who doesn't know. Jesus is their Lord and Savior. I mean, they may know some stuff about him. They may have looked like they had a talent that, and they did nothing with it. And so as the band comes back up, what I want to close, away, close out with is this, some final thoughts. One, don't be the worthless servant. Don't, don't be the worthless servant. See, the worthless servant, they were lost. They were making false accusations about God. They were working for self-glory. They were motivated by fear, not the healthy kind of fear that brings about awe and wonder. And the good news is this, is that the gospel's been proclaimed today because the invitation has been given, hey, come. The Holy Spirit's working, he's moving, He is present and active. And he says, I want you to be part of the family. And I want what you have to be used for my glory, for my honor. And the way that you do that is if you're his. If you're not, then you're doing it for self. If you're not, then you're doing it for self. And then the last takeaway would be this. God's gone. And one day he's coming back. What are you doing with what he's entrusted you? What are you doing with what he's entrusted you? And I put like two little subcategories here in the closing in my notes. And the, the first one i put is in the church. Now what are you doing with his bride? What are you doing for his bride? I mean, we, we always need people to serve in the children's ministry. We always need people to help out with, with, with leading us in worship. We always need people to help out with media stuff. We always need people to help out with welcoming people. I mean, we have new people here this morning. And I don't know if you got the, the, the proper welcome and hey. I know we're coming out Thanksgiving and things are crazy and people are sick. and stuff. We, we always need people to be ready to be plugged in and to, to be a part and to serve and give their life away. If nobody else in the room needs you, just know that the preacher needs you. I've got three little ones coming up, a ten, a ten and one that turned seven two weeks ago and a two and a half. And what I've learned in my life is that it takes a village and that there's coming a day where dad's not going to be cool anymore and I need you to be cool in their life and I need you to be cool and to tell them about Jesus and, and, and just, man, fill them with the things that we're saying that the scripture declares about his glory and his goodness and his faithfulness. Because one day it's going to be like, oh, it's just dad saying dad stuff. Or it's mom just saying mom stuff. Well, I need, I need aunties and uncles in this room to step up and tell them the same thing that dad's telling them. Because it's true about Jesus. And you know what? If you got kids, you're the same way. I hate to break it to you. You're just not going to be the cool one anymore one day. And that's quite all right. Because we want to take that up. And we, we, we want to walk with We want to care for and we We want to just echo what it is that you're saying. So what are you doing with what he's given you, what he's entrusted you with in his church, but then even more so outside of his church? Do you you look like Jesus outside of here? Do you live like Jesus outside of here? Is your house a house of praise? Is your house a resource for his glory, for his great name, to further the kingdom? Is, is, any, is, your, is your talent, whatever it is that he's gifted you with, your job tomorrow as you go, that's what we've we got to get out of the mindset of, oh, I'm just going to 9 to 5 to make some money to support my family. No, no we're on mission, church. He's got a, he has got you in a place where you work for a purpose. He has put you in the subdivision or the the community that you live in because he wants you to reach that community. That's that's what he's done. And my question is, what do you do with what he's entrusted you with? Where you live, where you work, where you play? Because as we saw in the story, you're not going to get more. Until you do with what he's given you. And when you do with what he's given you, now he'll increase. And I'm not not talking about money. I'm not talking about stuff. I'm talking about influence. That's far greater than money and stuff. Influence, man. The ability to be able to speak into people's lives and to love and to care and to share the gospel with. Man, the greatest thing about the guy that was here last week is that his, his level of influence that he has for the gospel. And it's not because he can stand up here and tell people about Jesus and everybody kind of just hears it in a special way. It's because he lives it out. People's drawn to that. Look at Jesus in the scriptures. Why are they drawn? He's different than everybody else. He was different than all the other religiosity. He was different than all the other uh, regulations and rules. The way that he spoke, the way that he did things, it just drew people to him. And church, I'm telling you, I'm banging on that drum that if we was just to live an ounce like that, man, how we would shine in this dark world today. We don't even got to do like the crazy stuff. Like like if we would just do the the, the basic following of Jesus, how we would shine and attract and draw. So what are you doing with what God's entrusted you? I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know how God's stirred maybe in your heart. I don't know what he's pressed upon you. But I want you to know that it's not too late. That you're here, that you've heard the message that the Holy Spirit can work and do, and that he can soften hearts, he can soften your heart. He can give, he can give you the right steps to do to make right whatever's been wronged, or to live out Jesus in this world, or to have that level of influence. I mean, I mean, right now is a perfect opportunity for obedience. I don't care if he asked you five years ago to do something you haven't done yet. Get with it today. Do it. Follow him. If you're not his, man, put your faith and trust in him. We'd love to talk to you. Jimmy's down here. I'll be down here. We'd love to talk to you more about what that means, what that looks like. But you be obedient to what he's called you to. And hear me, don't waste it. Don't waste it. Uh, Don't waste it. Man, how horrific it would be to stand before him one day and him say, You slothful wicked. Living for the well-done, good and faithful servant. The life that I give you, you've spent it well for me. It's coming back. Don't know when. We've got something to be about. and It's to be about his glory, his fame, and his great name. Father, help us this morning to hear that, to live that out. We're not too far gone. We haven't wasted too much. We're here this morning, and we've heard your word, and your Holy Spirit can work and do even in the midst of what seems to be hopelessness. And so, Father, that's what we're asking for there be a heart here this morning that feels that, the weight of that. Father, maybe it be through salvation that you would draw them and rescue them from sin and self. Father, if it be a heart here that's maybe been a little wasteful with what you've given, Father, that you would just convict, draw, they would repent and run to and do with what you've had, what you've given them. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promise of hope. God, may we live for well done good and faithful servant. And we pray. Amen. If you're staying, the band's going to lead us. We're going to come pray. Talk to somebody. We'll be down here. Love to. Thank you for joining us this morning here at New Life. Our hope is that through the proclamation of God's word, uh, you encountered him in a way uh, that drew you closer to him, that that you'll, you'll grow and mature in your walk and have a greater desire to follow him in obedience. If there's any way that we can serve you this week, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, You can send us a message through Facebook. Give us a call here at the church office. Uh, Our hope is uh, that we can minister to you, that one day we'll be able to to see you here uh, and get to know you through uh, worshiping in person. Um, Also, another way that you can uh, walk out obedience to what you've heard is through a time of of tithes and offerings. And you can give uh, online or you can give through the app. Uh, Again, I hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for uh, joining us online.